Any students of U.S. history here? Is that your thing? Oh, good. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I want to rehearse for you in just a couple of moments. 104 years of presidential campaign promises made and broken. 1916, Woodrow Wilson was running for president with the campaign promise, I'll never get us into a war. We entered World War I in 1917 after he became president. 1928, Herbert Hoover was running for president with the campaign promise, guaranteeing a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. In 1929, the stock market crashed and brought the greatest economic downturn of the 20th century. 1932, Franklin Delano Roosevelt ran for president with the campaign promise to cut federal spending. But he signed the New Deal, which exponentially increased federal spending. Lyndon Johnson ran for president with the campaign promise, I'll never send our boys to fight a war 10,000 miles away. And he signed the decree that started the bombing that led to the Vietnam War. Richard Nixon ran for president with the campaign promise, I will end the Vietnam War. But once in office, he expanded it to two more countries. Ronald Reagan ran for president with the campaign promise, I will bring prayer back into public school. An agenda item that never made it to the top while he was president. George Bush ran on the campaign promise. Read my lips, no new taxes. Bill Clinton ran on the campaign promise. The era of big government is over. And Donald Trump ran on the campaign promise if elected. I'll lock her up, meaning Hillary Clinton. Well, 104 years of campaign promises by both sides of the aisle, right? made by some of the most powerful people in the world who then inhabited the most arguably most powerful office in the world. But there was a big distance between a promise made and a promise kept. Two thousand years ago, when Jesus was crucified, he said seven things from his cross. And one of the things he said was a promise. Luke chapter 23, verse 39 to 43. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus' crucifixion 
is estimated to be only one of about 30,000 crucifixions in the Roman Empire that year. Can you, and he made a promise from his cross. Can you imagine any of the other people being crucified making a promise from their cross? He's, whoever was being crucified was going to be dead in a few hours. How could you make a promise? I can't imagine that it, the 29,999 others made any promises. I suppose maybe some of them, you know, um, I'm going to get you for this. What? You know, from the grave, you're going to be dead. And I, I could imagine um, relatives or friends of the person being crucified vowing to get vengeance for this injustice, but, but probably not saying anything right then or they would have been put on the cross next to him. I can't imagine any of the other crucifixions having what we have here the one being crucified, making a promise. Today you will be with me in paradise. He said that to the man who had just confessed, I believe you are who you say you are. But in order for Jesus to make a promise like that, he had to be willing to give up something. That's the way it usually works. To give someone something, to make a promise to give someone something means you have to give up something. If Jesus made that promise to give him something and to give us something, he would have to give up something to get it. That's just the way it works. If, uh, if I tell you, oh, you're moving on Saturday, Pastor Billets would be happy to help you. I don't have to give up anything. But if I tell you, and that's not my promise then, I'm just saying what he'll do. And it's, it's probably a lie, too. I don't know. Uh, but if I were to promise you, oh, you move on Saturday, I'll help. Now, what do I have to give up? My Saturday. And if Jesus was going to keep the promise he made, he was going to have to give up, too. What was he going to give up? What was it going to take for Jesus to keep that promise? What would he have to give up? Well, think of what he gave up. He's the second person of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he had to give up some of his power, at least, of God, because he came to earth and he took on flesh, and he set aside some of that power and attributes of God. He set them aside and wasn't going to use them. He was in one place when he had a body. He wasn't omnipresent anymore. What did he give up? When he was in heaven, that's where he belonged. That was his home and he gave that up. When he was in heaven, angels worshipped him and he came to earth and people spit on him and called him a, a drunk and a friend of sinners. He gave up so that he could give that promise. Today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, the Bible, is, the Bible is very specific in its language about how you get what Jesus did. It doesn't just say, well, God called you okay. It doesn't just say, well, God calls us innocent now. It's much more precise than that. That makes it sound like, well, you, you know, you're guilty, but I'll, I'll call you innocent and there you go. Sort of like God called creation into being just by speaking. But the Bible doesn't use that language for Jesus to keep the promise he made, to give up what he gave up, for us to get the benefit of it. It uses language like this. 
He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross. Oh, that's what he had to do. He uses language like this, that God, because of faith in Christ, declares you not guilty. doesn't even say he calls you innocent. He doesn't. You're guilty. But he declares you not guilty. And the Bible uses very precise language like that, so we don't miss it. The powerful, holy, pure Son of God gave up in order that he could make a promise like he made that man and us and then keep it. That's what it would take. So what did he give that man? Well, he told that man, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. But where was that man's body that day? You know, think of it. He only had a few more hours to live. And when he died, he most likely would have, his body would have been thrown in the city dump with, with less dignity than we'd give to burying a dog. That's his body. But Jesus said, no, you, you are going to be with me. So he couldn't have been referring to his body. The Bible says you're not just your body. You're more than muscles and ligaments and heart. The Bible says you're also soul, spirit, breath of life. I like the definition, the real you. Jesus said, the real you will be with me in paradise today. You know the real you? Psychology student, let's see, it was id, id, ego. Ego is the one who kind of mediates between id and superego. Right? That's the, the thing that you're always having this conversation with, that voice in your head. That you're, you're, that's just running commentary? How long is he going to go on? I wonder how long this preacher is going to preach. I wonder how the Badgers are doing. Did the Badgers play today? Oh, what time? Oh, yeah, they did play. Am I going to watch that game later? Where will I watch that game later? The, the things you're thinking about. Oh, do I have homework tonight? The things you're thinking about right now. You, you thought I didn't know. I know. Because I'm doing the same thing. And Jesus said, that's what keeps right on going. Not your body. Now, he'll come back and take care of that too, he's promised, but that's a different sermon. But the real you will be with me in paradise. The other thief didn't get to hear that. There were two men crucified with Jesus. And, and one heard that, the other didn't get to hear that. Um, he started mocking Jesus at the beginning of the crucifixion. He was still mocking Jesus at the end of the crucifixion. And he never heard Jesus say, today you will be with me in paradise. That was a, that was a bad day for that guy. That was the worst day. But it got worse. It turns out that that was probably the last decent day. Well, it was the last decent day that guy had because after that, he was separated from God's love forever in hell. You know, for the unbeliever, this life is as good as it gets. And then it gets much worse. Death was not a blessing 
to him. But for the believer, for the one who says, like the thief on the cross, that man has done nothing wrong. He's sinless. For the believer, the one who, like that other thief on the cross, said, Jesus, you are God in your kingdom. I know it. I believe you. Remember me. I believe who you say you are. That person, you, you have Jesus' promise. When your body is no longer functioning, when your heart gives out, you will be with me in paradise. Let me illustrate how important that is just with a quick story from uh, you'd had to have been living under a rock for these past five weeks if you, if you didn't catch on uh, to Kobe Bryant's death. Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna. Tragic and sad and uh, you know watching the mourners and the grieving family that's heartbreaking. So what I'm about to say is not Please don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to them or to pretend that the mourning doesn't happen. It's, it's real. I, I've been a pastor long enough to know what that's like. But here's the point. At the memorial service, people said things like they do, trying to make sense of something. As far as I know, Kobe Bryant was a believer in Jesus. I not, what do I know? I, I didn't know him, of course, but the, the, the message was he was baptized into Christ and he was part of a Catholic church. He went to a Catholic church. I know in some Catholic churches, you can hear the gospel message that Jesus lived for you and died for you. And, and he could have heard that. I have no, no reason to doubt he didn't. I, I, I know some of the stories... Uh, you know, of his life, well, you've got that much money, you're tempted in different ways than you and I are tempted. And, but, but near as I can tell, he, he was a follower of Christ. And his daughter, too, I guess, growing up. I mean, if he was a member of a Catholic church, she was probably baptized into Christ. I hope they were doing CCD or something where she would have been exposed to the gospel of, of Jesus. I've every, I mean, I can believe that. I, I, I don't know enough to not believe that. So, so, but here's, here's where you can do better. If that's true, why didn't people say that? Because here's what I heard. Rest in peace, Kobe. Well, either he is or he isn't, and your wish isn't going to change it. What does that even mean? Watch over us now, Kobe. Where'd you get that from? And most heartbreaking is widow, babe, watch over Gigi. Uh, just pulls at you, but, but, but you can do better. At least you can do better. You, you have Jesus' promise. He keeps his promises. You, you can do so much better. You know what Jesus says to you and his people. The day you die, you will be with me in paradise. Say that, because it doesn't get better than that.